the benefits of having a college degree are really about having a college degree versus about having a degree from a specific college. Welcome to Talking About Kids. I'm your host, R. Bradley Snyder, researcher, activist, and author of The Five Simple Truths of Raising Kids. If you are a parent or you work with parents, then you know that the topic of paying for college can be unpleasant, which is why I'm so glad that I was introduced to Anne Garcia. Her book, aptly named How to Pay for College, is practical, powerful, and easy to read and implement. More importantly, her approach is focused on the belief and the data that there is a college that fits your budget, your values, and, most importantly, your kid. This podcast was sponsored in part by the Arizona Department of Health Services' Must Stop Bullying campaign through its Title V Maternal and Child Health Program. For more information, go to muststopbullying.org. And now, the interview. As a, as a financial planner, um, I found that I was talking with a lot of two groups of people. One was parents who would come into the practice really with a lot of questions about how to pay for college and all of our training and all of our content and materials were about how to pay for retirement. Mm. And I thought that doesn't really make sense that we can't address this question, which for many families is their second largest expense in their lifetime, you know, educating their children. Mm. Many people will spend more on that than they spend on their house. There was a second group of people I was talking with a lot, and those were young adults who because of their student loan debt, we're struggling to start with the, you know, the basics of adult life, saving for retirement, maybe buying a house, in some cases, even having an emergency savings account. And again, because of their student loan debt, I sort of felt like if I could help that first group, which was the parents who were trying to figure out how to pay for college, we might wind up with less of that second group. And, you know, at the same time, I'm a parent. And when I was having these conversations with other parents, my kids were in middle school and looking, you know, we were as a family starting to look in a lot greater detail about what college was going to cost us. And, um, and that was leading to some eye-opening conversations around the dinner table as well. And so I felt like um, this was a problem that my family faced, and it was a problem that a lot of other people faced. And if I could, um, you know, again, start start helping right. to provide answers to those questions. Um, you know, what we see a lot of with people with student loan debts is that education has closed doors for them. And really, education is about opening doors and creating a future. In your book, you point out that it's kind of a, it's a, a cliche in your field when you're asked, uh, when should I start saving to answer yesterday? But that's not how your book proceeds, really. It, you start talking about really how to prepare. And you start by directing the reader to address kind of college values and priorities. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, I think, you know, with college, we get so caught up on the money and the names in college. 
um, that, that we, that we stop thinking about why we're actually trying to educate our children in the first place. And that's where you get into these situations where families commit far too many resources to, to college in pursuit of maybe it's a specific degree from a specific college versus that opportunity to create the kind of adulthood that you want for, for your kids. And I think we get so caught up in what's that image of them at mm-hmm. 18, you know, stepping into that ivy colored covered mm-hmm. courtyard versus that image of them at 25, you know, pursuing a career or thinking about graduate school or maybe meeting the person they're they're going to marry and, you know, and, and start starting that adult adult life. And if we you know, if we think about why we're educating our kids, um, then I think that leads to a, a richer range of, of choices versus, you know, I want mm-hmm. my kid to go to an Ivy League or I um, want my kid to stay in state or um, I want my kid to go to my my alma right. mater. Um, you know, education is really a, a values exercise. And I know as a, as a financial planner, it's easy for me to talk about the money and talk about, you know, if you contribute $350 every month from birth to 18, you'll have the cost of um, four years of public in-state college at full price covered. Um, but planning for college is equal parts financial planning and parenting. And, um, and, and, and it's really the parenting aspect of it that I think that I think gets short shrift. And that's where, you know, when, when we're not having those conversations mm-hmm. about what we're trying to accomplish and what resources we're willing to direct at that goal, um, that's when, you know, that's when, when the kid starts to take right. the lead in that process. And more importantly, the kid's friends and older siblings <laughs> um, start, start to take the lead. And, and you as a parent are playing catch up, trying to corral those choices um, into something that works that works for your family or trying to corral your family's finances <laughs> or uncorral right. your family's finances in 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 a way that supports a, an objective that that really you shouldn't be and you present a, a mantra in your book that has to do with deciding which college it and, uh, and I'll I'll repeat it for listeners here it says you say uh, repeat to yourself many times Spending more on college does not guarantee a better outcome. Spending less doesn't risk a worse outcome. And you present some pretty interesting research about that. Why should that be a mantra? Well, because whatever your budget, whatever your resources for college, you will find and your student will find good choices. it's it's where it's where we as parents say it's really important for me that my child go to X Y or Z named college, um, that that we get into big financial trouble. And frankly, the stakes in paying for college are just are just too high um, to to give your child every choice. There is no other major purchase that we make that cost doesn't inform that decision. Right. You know, when we buy a house, <laughs> we have a budget. When we buy a car, we have a budget. When my clients come in to talk about retirement, if they have limited means, I don't talk about buying villas in Italy. Um, college needs to be needs to be the same way, and we need to release that parental guilt. Um, around not being able to provide every every option for our child, and um, there are so much so much data. You know, not just on the financial side. It's really easy to say, yeah, earnings are about a million dollars higher lifetime earnings for college graduates right. than those without it. The unemployment rate is usually half what it is for college graduates um, than for non um, 
the, the unemployment rate for college graduates is usually half what it is um, for those without a degree. There are so many non-financial benefits. Mm-hmm. You know, college graduates um, um, have less type 2 diabetes and heart disease. They live longer lives. Um, they're more likely to marry and less likely to divorce. So those are all things that you're right to want for your child. Right. Um, but those are all benefits that are available to all college well and, and that's the, the interesting a, part because I, I i think that people who listen to this podcast regularly will know that i've addressed this before but it's interesting coming from you as a financial planner that one would think well if there are these benefits of attending college then obviously paying more for college is going to yield greater benefits um but <laughs> you and i know that's not the case. In fact, you put some you put in some analysis about the where the CEOs of Fortune 500 companies went to school. Yeah, the top the top school for producing Fortune 500 CEOs is Texas A and M. Now, granted, Texas A and M graduates a lot more students than most other right. co- <laughs> than most other colleges, but the benefits of having a college degree are really about having a college degree versus about having a degree from a specific college. In my family, I have, you know, I have twins. They will graduate from college this year. One is at a highly selective, you know, less than 10% of applicants are admitted um, college. And the other is at a public college that admits more than three quarters of of applicants. Um, And they both have practically identical jobs coming coming out of college. So, you know, we're a focus group of two. Right. Um, <laughs> um, and there's certainly lots of room for data variance. But um, the one who's at the less selective right. school chose a school where he feels successful, where he's spread his wings, where he has found mentors, he's engaged in activities. Um, and, you know, he's built up a network. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, and created opportunities for himself that, that come from the fact that he chose a school that's a good fit for right. him. Right. And, and that's so important. And, and I know that today we're talking about paying for college, but, you know, I've talked about this even with grade school and high school. You know, the right school is the one where your child does best, where they feel safe mm-hmm. and supported and are able to thrive. And you point out that the downside of being at the wrong college. I, I believe you listed this as really the worst thing that could happen financially um, in this whole process is you know picking the wrong school and then coming out without a degree but debt. So students who graduate do not have, as a as a cohort, do not have difficulty paying off those student loans. Those who don't get the degree often do. The other downside with picking a college that's not a fit for you is oftentimes that results in you transferring. And when you transfer, a couple things happen. One is oftentimes your credits don't transfer with you. Or if they do transfer, they transfer as gen ed credits, not credits towards your major. Um, and it's very common that college then takes five years or six years, which is astronomically more money mm-hmm. than um, than a four-year degree. Um, and and um, the other thing that happens is transfer students aren't eligible for as many scholarships as our incoming freshmen. So you could lose out on financial aid and scholarship opportunities and basically end up spending a whole lot more money 
um, to get a degree than, than, than you might have set out for. So, so finding that good fit, um, that good fit school where, you know, where you will feel challenged, um, but where you'll also have an opportunity to, to succeed is, is a great opportunity. I mean, my son is a classic example of that. He was not a good student in high school. And I think it was largely because we bought into that whole better, faster, stronger mm. <laughs> mentality of, you know, take the hardest classes that you can. You're a smart kid. You should be in IB classes. And he really struggled in those classes in high school. Wasn't a good student. Not only, you know, there was the downside of he didn't have a good GPA and, you know, was not eligible for scholarships that he would have been eligible yeah. for had we not pushed him into those classes. Um, but there were the regular evenings of him, you know, crying in his bedroom over his homework and saying, I'm the dumbest person of all my friends, you know, and and just having that that sense of he was not a good student. And now he's a straight A student in college. Mm. You know, he got a D in calculus in high school. He's a statistics tutor in right. in college. He's um, he was invited to the honors college after freshman year. Amazing. <laughs> um, right. And uh, and and partly that's because he's found a great fit the for right himself. environment. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I think that. Um, a lot of us are intimidated or ashamed that we didn't start earlier saving for college. You know, that just as you said, like we, we all kind of know that if we had started, um, you know, went from the hospital and opened up the plan, that we'd be in better shape. Um, but you put the reader at ease by pointing out that even though you're a financial planner, your own savings plan, kind of the word you used was meandered. And and that's okay. That's life. Yeah, I mean, life isn't linear, right. especially, especially for, you know, especially for families, you know, life is lumpy, life is lifey, yeah. as, you know, as the saying goes, and, and college does not, is not always nor should it ever usually be a family's top financial priority. You know, you need to balance saving for college with all of the other things that you do, including living in the present. Um, but I, you know, and I think, I think it's important for families to, to reflect on their family values when they're thinking about, about mm -hmm. college. You know, we have some good friends who, you know, their focus for a lot of their family dollars is, is taking a really nice family vacation every year. And that's not necessarily, you know, high-end resorts right. or anything, but that's an important element of being a member of that family is the time that right. they spend together, you know, separate from jobs and school where they have time to focus on on one another. The end result of that is there's less dollars available to pay for college. Right. And that's okay. Right. <laughs> because that's their value and they're okay with it and and they know that that's going to guide their kids choices when when it comes to college um and you and you know in your book as i mentioned you lay out from the beginning you know the to start asking these questions about what are your values and priorities uh, with regards to college and one of the things that i like about your book is that you have those worksheets there that people can actually just fill that out um you present those worksheets to to sit down as a family and go over well what do we value? What is important to us? What defines us? And what do we want out of these next steps? But after those values are established, after those priorities are explicit, at some point we need to start putting money into accounts somewhere. And of all of the things to be thinking about, what's, what's probably the first step or the first vehicle that people should be looking at? 
Yeah. I think for the vast majority of families, the, the best savings vehicle for college is a 529. Um, so a 529 is a tax-advantaged college savings plan. They are offered by states primarily. There are a few um, private entities that offer them as well. For most, for most families, your state's plan is your best choice. States often offer a tax benefit for contributions. Um, which can add to your savings dollars over time, especially if you're late getting started. You know, you want to find all the free money um, that you that you right. can, and your state tax deduction is is a good source of additional dollars. Um, the nice thing about 529s, well, there are many nice things about 529s. When you're getting started, one of the really nice things about them is that the initial contribution amount um, is usually quite small. So you could set up a monthly contribution of twenty five dollars, mm. for example. Um, and, and, and that's a great way to get started. And over time, your financial situation will change. You know, if you were to start this as a newborn, you're probably adding cost of childcare. Maybe one parent is reducing their work hours. Um, you've got someone in your house now who goes through mm -hmm. diapers and food and outgrows all their stuff every three weeks, you know? So, so your cost structure is different as a family with young kids. And if you are able to set up a 529 with even a really minimal monthly contribution, give yourself a pat on the back. That's fantastic. You are, um, students whose families have saved for college in any amount enroll and graduate from college at higher rates than those, than those mm. without. So so anything you do at this point creates positive outcomes. Not only that, but if you start young, of course, your money has more time to um, to compound um, and, and grow. So 529s, um, you know, easy to set up. The investment choices are really easy. Um, you know, typically there it's like your 401k where there are various mutual funds to choose from. And then um, 529 plans have the equivalent of retirement plans target date funds. Those are either age-based or target enrollment funds where the funds will be reallocated annually on the basis of an appropriate risk profile given the time that you have to college. So for young kids, they're much more heavily invested in stocks. For older kids, they're much more heavily invested in bonds so that you don't um, risk loss of, of principal as long as it's not 2022. Um, right. where, where kind of the whole market was was terrible. The other nice thing about 529s is that um, when you take the money out and spend it on college, there's no tax on the growth in in your account. So you end up having a lot more money available to to pay for college um, than you would if if you had it in a in a taxable investment account where you're paying capital gains um, or income taxes right. on the on the growth in in the in the account the other thing with 529s and this is kind of the secret sauce of them is because those distributions are are tax-free they don't flow through to your tax return at all and so when you file the financial aid forms you haven't added to your income by taking that by taking that growth out of the out of the account the way that it would again if you were in a taxable um investment investment account. which i thought was such a, a smart thing that you pointed out right that you're going to be actually bringing down your taxable income and looking better on the financial aid forms by having the money in those 529s is, is there a downside to the 529s that we should be aware of 
Well, um, you know, they are a college savings account as opposed to an anything right. else savings account. There's a new provision that just came out in the Secure 2.0 Act that allows you to take surplus 529 funds and roll them tax-free into a Roth IRA. There's a little bit of um, there's a little bit of confusion about whether parents can change themselves to the beneficiary or or not. Um, you know, of course, with a 529, if you don't go to college, you don't have the college expense um um, to use it on, and it would be a non-qualified distribution to take it out. In which case, the earnings in the account is subject to taxes and a ten percent um, and a ten percent penalty. They're quite flexible, though, and there are a lot of things besides just for your colleges that you can can spend them on. You know, including a lot of families aren't aware you can use them for off-campus room and board while your student is attending college. But you can use them for community colleges. You can use them for trade schools, apprenticeship programs. Um, you can change the beneficiary. So if you have a couple of kids and one doesn't go to college, you can use the money for the other one. Um, you can also, you know, save it for a grandchild. Something else that you think you should start early is involving your kids in an understanding of these issues uh, of picking the college, not just picking it, but understanding the, the consequences of one school over another and the costs associated with that. How, how do you get kids, you use the word agency, how do you give kids agency in this process? Yeah, well, and I do think it's really important for kids to take the, you know, to, to, to have agency, mm -hmm. you know, the ability to, to make their own decisions um, about this within a set of parameters that are established between the parents and the kids. They're the one who has to go mm -hmm. to college and has to, you know, spend four years there getting, um, getting their degree. And so to just tell your kid, here's where you can go, um, you know, you might be jeopardizing that that goal over overall. I think it's important to be age appropriate in talking with kids about about college. So, you know, with with young kids, I think it's great to just introduce the concept of college as something that has enriched your life. And I call those sort of college adjacent conversations. You know, maybe you take them to a sports event at a local college. Maybe you talk about friends you made in in college you know we were out walking one time and a you know a, a thunderstorm started and i was with a friend and she said gosh i never knew how where thunderstorms came from until i took a meteorology class in college and i learned about you know how weather phenomena so you know doing those things with young kids that just introduce the concept of college as as something that's that's mm -hmm. interesting and and um, and that you want them to to think about is great. Once kids get to more like middle school, um, where they start having some sense, you know, of how money works, um, how savings works, how spending works, um, I think it's appropriate to start talking about concepts of of money. And and one of the things that I think is really important for parents to do is to talk about the fact that you have saved mm. for college and you are intending to support your child in in their college journey to whatever degree it is right. um but but you know give yourself some credit for the for the for the hard work that you've done and that you are are doing to um to pay for college because it's so easy to look out there and be like hmm we can afford right. this and it looks like college costs eighty two thousand dollars a year <laughs> and we can't afford that that um you know Think of your strengths as opposed to your weaknesses. You know, there's probably houses out there that cost more than you can afford as well, and cars and um, and 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 all sorts of, of things like that. Um, 
you know, when, when your kids are in middle school, you'll often find, you know, they might have friends who have older siblings who are right. going off to college, um, where you might have an opportunity to start talking about different types of colleges. Um, but really, by the time, you know, when your student gets to high school, that's a great time to start really talking nuts and bolts about um, about what college costs. I think having those conversations from the perspective of goals mm-hmm. rather than constraints um, is is a, a better way to give to give your students some agency in that process. So for example, we have saved enough that we could get you through our in-state public schools without any student debt. And it's really important to us that you graduate without right. debt. You can probably find options that work for that budget that are other than mm-hmm. our in-state public schools and we will happily support you in that search and on that and on that journey. Well, and you talk about wanting to make that apples to apples comparison um, and there's a couple ways to do that and again you, you provide a, a worksheet to help somebody when they get let's if they're if they're in the fortunate position that they get a couple of acceptance letters and they have a couple of financial packages in front of them making sure that these line up so you know exactly what mm-hmm. you're comparing. Are, are, they, are these really going to cost the same? Um, so you provide tips for doing that and worksheets for doing that. But then you also say, going back to priorities, well, we can afford this school, but then can we afford this school and a, a year abroad, which was something maybe that was a priority for you. So these priorities keep coming up again. It's not just a uh, you know, can we afford it or not? It's how much of what can we afford? Yeah. And, you know, college often ends up costing a lot more than we think it's mm. going to cost and even costing different amounts than what's in your acceptance letter and, and your aid package. So it is important to think upfront about what are all the things that are part of the college package. You know, for example, my husband, went to University of Michigan. It was a big school. He was in a fraternity. Um, and that was really a great part of his college life. Those are the, that was how he engaged on campus. That was how he found a community. Um, and for many parents, that is an important part of their college life. Study abroad, similarly, can be really important. These are all costs that need to be part of, you know, part of your college budget and part of, you know, part of how you consider, how to, you know, how you consider college. If you are right now looking at acceptance letters and wondering about that, one of the best tools for us was joining the Facebook parents pages of the colleges that our students had been accepted to um, and just asking parents there sort of what were the extra the extra budget um, items that we should be looking at. and they are varying levels of help, helpful, right. um, those those groups, but you are actually ta- you know talking to real people who are part of that. If you're just looking at a college, a great thing to do is have them um, have them put you in touch with some current students, whether it's a tour guide for a campus tour or if you're looking at somewhere far away, oftentimes they'll connect you with current students who are um, who are um, from your area and they can help you understand, you know, what does it cost to travel back and forth? Um, you know, do all the parents come to parents right. weekend? And that's an added expense to consider. The other thing, you know, with aid award, with aid awards is what's in it and what's yeah. not in it. So for example, my daughter's college includes the cost of health insurance mm-hmm. in their award, you know, in their in their costs. Now, if you have existing health insurance, you just waive the coverage and voila, college is $5,000 a year cheaper than it than it looked like. Um, 
you know, my son applied to two colleges, um, was accepted to both, and it looked like one cost $7,000 a year more than the other. One of the things we discovered was that one was quoting the most expensive housing and meal plan, the other was the quoting least the expensive. least expensive right. housing and meal plan. <laughs> um and so actually they were much closer in cost um, than, than they seemed. And a lot of it is just how colleges package it. You know, my daughter's college says books cost $3,000 a year. My sons say they cost $800 a year. They don't actually cost right. either of those numbers. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that's going to be driven more by what your major is than, than what it says in, in the award letter. No. You know, if you're studying right. lab sciences or anything with a lot of textbooks, you're going to pay a lot for books. And I, you recognized this before I did, that we were going to um, run out of time before we ran out of things to talk about. But I want to say a couple things uh, very quickly here. In in the beginning of your book, you say that it's a, it's a guidebook. It's called How to Pay for College, and you can use these sections that apply to you. But I'm going to encourage all my listeners... Read every section because you will find that there are things that apply to you that you didn't think would apply to you. And it reads so very, very well. It's not just smart and practical, Anne, but it's an it's a good read. So thank you so much for writing this book. It, it's one of the, the best on this topic, if not the best that I've encountered. Oh, thank you so much for your kind words. <laughs> That was Anne Garcia. For more information about Anne and her wonderful book, which I highly, highly recommend, please visit talkingaboutkids.com. From there, you also can find out about upcoming episodes, suggest a topic, learn more about me and my books, or submit your questions for future guests. Our theme song is by The Senators. For more of their music, go to thesenatorsmusic.com And remember, kids are young goats and young children, and the difference is that young goats are easier to manage. <laughs>